Because I was under the impression that we were not trying. All I wanted was tacos. I was very surprised about how much fear my body was capable of feeling. That's what everyone says. I am Gage. And I'm Amanda. And baby makes three. He's currently sleeping on your lap. He is passed out. I should actually take a picture of this for Instagram. I already put the picture of the two of you together on Facebook. It got a lot of buzz. Aww. So, Gage and Amanda Baby Makes 3 is a podcast that you are now listening to. Episode 1, inaugural episode, um, that we decided to do together. And who are we? Who are you? Who am I? Yes, who is Amanda? I am a person. (laughs) (laughs) You're a person. Um... Oh, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a teacher. <laughs> I was gonna say. I feel like that song where it's like I'm a. Yeah, you gotta be careful because the next one's a swear word. Oh, <laughs> it's been a while since I've heard that song. So, <laughs> to be fair, uh, we're husband and wife. We're spouses. We are partners in crime, you might say. Yep, of just over a year. Mm-hmm. So that's still fresh and exciting. Yeah, we had this really fun timeline where it was like. Start dating a year later, get engaged a year later, get married a year later, have a baby. And we are parents. We're just like fast tracking it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we are first time parents of a 12 day old as of this recording. Yeah. And so instead of, you know, resting up and getting ahead of everything, we decided to do a podcast. Heck no. It's 930. Should we be sleeping when baby sleeps? That's what everyone says. But we're not doing it. We're recording. You sleep when baby sleeps and other annoying things people will tell you. That's cool, babe, because you can take first shift tonight. That's cool. Yeah, we we sleep in shifts. Um, So that's kind of who we are. And part of the reason we're doing this show is, quite frankly, we have a lot of friends and family who ask us all the time and want pictures of baby and info about baby. And so now it's like, listen to this show. It'll make you feel like you're actually here. Also, it's just kind of a fun way to reflect because I feel like I've already forgotten so many different aspects of the pregnancy. And so, you know, one of the things that I love about um, YouTube is, you know, I watch some of these these vlogs that families do where they will release like weekly videos recording their life. And it's kind of like a little mini TV show. But one of the things that I like about it is they're cataloging such cool aspects of their life you know, so their children can go and look back on it. So not to say that Vanyan will go back and listen to the podcast, but he could, if he wanted to, he could have this, this little mini series that we're doing and, or or we could, you know, go back and kind of listen to it and remember things that we would otherwise forget. So, you know, some people journal during their pregnancy. I was not one of those people. So this is kind of a a really nice way to kind of go back and reflect on different aspects um, that would otherwise be forgotten. And I'm already forgetting because, you know, mommy brain and sleep deprivation. Yeah. They, they always say that they say like, you know, you think you're going to remember, um, but you won't. And it is crazy to see how quickly you can start to forget stuff. And Uh, I personally now, like as a mom love listening to this kind of stuff. You know, one of the things that you and I had talked about, or one of the things that I listened to during my pregnancy 
was The Birth Hour. Mm-hmm. And it's a podcast that's just about kind of interviewing moms and have and listening to their stories. So it's not a, oh, this is the right way to do things or this is the wrong way. It, it's not about pushing anyone's agenda. It's simply hearing women's stories. Um, and I've, I found that incredibly helpful and incredibly encouraging and interesting. And so anything that's like that, I'm, I'm all for. And that would be kind of be the third reason we're doing it is mm-hmm. in, in case, uh, by sharing this, you know, it helps anyone or is just entertaining or encouraging for other people. Cause we're going to talk not about the right or wrong way to do things. We're just oh, talking not. about our experience. For me, it's kind of fun also because I, I went through a lot trying to find, um, trying to find information that, uh, was about the partner because mm-hmm. um, mom's the star of the show. And I think everyone kind of knows that going in, uh, but trying to find resources that were for the partner was rough until I found uh, the birth partner, which a, f- a friend and fellow father recommended to me and was Great book. amazing. <clears throat> but yeah, so that's kind of what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to look at doing hour long episodes and I'm not sure exactly how many we're going to do. We're starting with this episode, which is going to be about uh, Amanda's pregnancy and some anecdotes around that. Uh, We'll probably do one episode about delivery um, and then kind of key stuff as Vanian develops. Like, oh my gosh, the first couple of days when we were at the hospital, we have oodles and oodles of stuff to talk about and first bringing him home. I think that first week of having him home would be a good, a good topic because for me it was just pure terror and sleep deprivation. And I think there's a lot of other parents that feel that same way where you have that, that first parent, that first time parent uh, syndrome where you like someone has to be awake at all times and you want to make sure the baby's still breathing and you know, all of those, those stereotypical things that are actually so true for so many people. Um, I would love to talk about, just have a whole episode for that first week. Yeah. And so what we're going to start off with this week was uh, your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I think it all kind of starts uh, with a conversation we had about whether or not we were uh, trying or not trying. Because I was under the impression that we were not trying. As was I. Uh, that was actually my intent. But the funny thing is our, our definition of that was very different. So for me, I didn't think we were trying. But I was tracking my cycle and I had this whole ovulation tracker and it would say, oh, these are the things that you look for. And I found that really interesting. So I would mention it to you. I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm, it says I'm ovulating today or I'm ovulating for the next X amount of days or whatever it was that the tracker said. There were all of these things that I was learning about my cycle that I had previously did not know about. And I would share it with you. And it definitely came across as me going, oh, okay, well, you know, clock's ticking. Yeah. The conversation that we had had was, let's go off the pill and let's see what happens. And then the next set of information was, okay, so I've been checking my ovulation and we have these three days this month. And it takes a couple, it takes the average couple a year um, of actively trying. Um, And then we have been trying for a couple of weeks and you were like... Look, I think you called me and you were like, look, I know it's stupid. I know I'm not pregnant because it was so fast. It was like, look, I know I'm not pregnant, but I kind of feel weird. So do, do you think it's ridiculous if I picked up a pregnancy test on the way home just so I can just 
take the test, be negative, and then just move on. Yeah. So some of my coworkers knew that I was off the pill. Um, I mean, it wasn't really a secret or anything. And I genuinely thought that it was going to take a while. Uh, and we did have that initial miscommunication where I really didn't think that we were trying, but the things that I was saying and doing definitely came across as if I was trying, you know, we were trying and I was pushing for it. Um, but I had been on progesterone because I had hormone imbalances. And so getting off that and getting off birth control, um, one of the things that I had read was that you can be nauseous, you can experience nausea. And I definitely was starting to experience nausea. And I would say that at work, I would have these, just this rolling sensation would just hit me of nausea. And it was noticeable enough that I, you know, I was, that I was uncomfortable that my coworkers were noticing. And I was like, yeah, I'm actually feeling kind of queasy, feeling kind of nauseous. And they were like, oh, well, you're probably pregnant. And I was like, that's ridiculous because I've only been off the pill for a couple of weeks. And so I was getting that a lot from my coworkers. They were saying, oh, you're pregnant, you're pregnant, you're pregnant. And in my head, I was saying, you know, so many people struggle to get pregnant for so long. And with my hormone issues, I definitely thought that that was going to be our story. I thought that it would take us a really long time before we got pregnant. And so I actually was like, I I don't want to get my hopes up about this. You know, it was funny to kind of joke around about, but then people were saying, oh, you're probably pregnant. And so I actually wanted the test so that I would stop hearing that. And say, yeah, no, I got got a test. So that it would put everyone else's, you know, teasing and good humored jokes to rest where it could be like, no, I took a test. I'm not pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you came home and you were pregnant. Yeah. The darn thing just kind of lit up right away. I mean, it said to like wait 30 seconds. And so, of course, me being me, I'm looking at the little stick and I'm going one Mississippi to Mississippi, like actually (laughs) counting it out like a nerd. And it just lit up right away. And I was just in total shock because I genuinely did not think that was going to happen. That's not most people's story. Most people go a long time before they actually become pregnant. And then with my, with my history of hormone imbalances, you know, I had, I had no expectations. Yeah. I think I was sitting out in the living room and uh, I think it might have been like playing a video game or something. And I just hear from the bathroom of our tiny, tiny one bedroom apartment, just gauge. And I'm like, are, are you pregnant? And you're like... Well, the thing is, <laughs> yeah. And then I was like freaked out because it seemed too soon. Yeah, you started. I mean, you started rubbing, rubbing my arms and going. It's okay. It, it false it, positives it happen. Be, false positives happen all the time. Like that. Everyone always wants to know, you know, what what your reaction is in the moment. Like, oh, how did you react? How did your husband react? And for me, it was total disbelief. And for you, it, it was, was also total disbelief. Giving my arms a rug burn and saying. Oh no, false positives happen all the time. And then you started looking up the statistics and then you started looking up the most accurate pregnancy tests, which led into the next day of you buying. Yeah. So we had bought, uh, it was a first response. It was the first one. I genuinely have no recollection. I think it was called first response. It's the pink one. And the pink one has, there were, first of all, pregnancy tests were way more accurate than I was led to believe by teenage movies. Um, (laughs) But the first response has a tendency to, if it's going to be wrong, it's going to be a false positive. So I looked up and found clear blue, which I think was the one that if it's wrong, it's more likely to be a false negative. So I was like, well, this is the hard one to convince you're pregnant. So if we get a positive reading on this one, then we'll be sure. I think I made you take like three total. Yeah, basically 
the next day I came home and I was greeted with a collection of pregnancy tests to pee on. <laughs> and it wasn't that I wasn't excited. It wasn't that this isn't what I wanted. I was so sure it was going to get taken away from us. Yeah, and that's, we were both like that. Yeah, that went on for like the entire first trimester easy, which there's so much stuff they don't tell you you have to do. Mm-hmm. We had to switch your doctors because your doctor wasn't uh, delivering. Yeah, the funny thing is the the... GYN that I went to, that I was going to at the time when I became pregnant, um, actually was my mom's OBGYN and delivered me. And then I started going to her, which she jokingly was like, oh, you make me feel so old because the babies that I delivered are now coming to me so that, I, you know, she was my gynecologist. (laughs) Um, And then she informed me when she was like, yeah, no, you're pregnant. You know, the results came back, blood test results. And then it was like, oh, by the way, I don't. I don't deliver anymore. So, so I'm going to have you go over to my brother to which we were like, no, nah, that's, do that's cool. Let's, <laughs> let, yeah. I mean, my thing is I definitely had a comfort level with her. You know, I trusted her and, um, didn't really want to switch. Didn't want to have to shop around. It's hard to yeah. find that comfort level. Yeah. I think that, that kind of ties into you finding your, uh, your mommy tribe at work because that's where you got a couple. We have uh, Amanda works for a hospital. Um, so there's like a super special network thing that we have to stay within. So all of our choices for doctors on our insurance are kind of limited. And so um, uh, you had reached out to a couple of different people and got like one doctor recommendation. Yeah. So I had reached out to some friends at work, which The interesting thing when you become pregnant is you start to attract certain people. And so, um, you know, I'm a preschool teacher. And so some of the moms really kind of took me under their wing and offered me advice when I asked for it and would check up on me and see how I was feeling and just kind of connected with me in a way that we hadn't previously. And so me being pregnant kind of was a game changer. Um, And that, that mommy tribe... There, there really is something to that. And I, I think that we don't see that as much in our culture and certainly in our day and age. But I think it's so important for expecting women and, you know, women who have had children to have that kind of support and to have that network where they can talk, talk amongst each other and share hopes and fears and bits of advice and things they've learned and just that camaraderie. But yeah, so I, I reached out to some Facebook groups. And I also reached out to some women that I knew and asked around for a recommendation because I originally, I wanted someone, what do they call them? Like a crunchy doctor, you know, someone who... A granola crunchy. When, I, I always yeah. think about it in gaming terms, so which means like the exact opposite thing. So oh, okay. You wanted, um, you wanted to be barefoot and pregnant. Yeah, I, I had wanted to be... I keep hitting the microphone, sorry. It's okay. I had they'll, wanted... They'll deal. I had wanted to be... Um, a midwife at one point, and I was actually in contact with a midwife for, you know, information about classes and... And you watch Call the Midwife. I am obsessed with Call the Midwife, but I had wanted to actually be a midwife, and I was looking at the classes involved and um, was seeking advice from someone who kind of runs her own birthing center in the area. And so I was very much, um, anyone who's familiar with like the Orchid Nest or Palm's Birth House, um, I was very much leaning towards that. I, I wanted to have a home birth or have a, a birth at a, 
or birth at a birthing center, or if I had to have a, a hospital, I wanted a water birth and to be as natural as possible. So those were the kind of things I was looking for in a doctor. Um, and this, and I was coming into it with just this, like the only real experience with birth was my sister. My sister gave birth in hospital four different times. I just thought that you gave birth in a hospital, to be honest. Um, honestly, like I saw the, the two, uh, the two posh to push people. And I was like, that seems convenient. Um, so it was just a complete shock of like things. I was glad that I was able to grasp the concept of you being the star of the show quickly. Yeah. That, cause that made everything easier. It's like, I think the only thing I, I put my foot down on was I was like, look, not even just for insurance purposes, but also for comfort level. I would really prefer if you gave birth in a hospital, obviously it's your decision, whatever you want to do, you can do, but you know, your birthing centers and all of, and home births and stuff. That's great. But when something goes wrong, the place they take you is to the hospital and you could just already be there. Yeah, so we definitely came at it from two philosophies when we were two different philosophies when we were talking about it. Um, but I ended up finding a great doctor. Love, love, lover. That kind of is a perfect blend of what we're both looking for. Someone who respects our preferences and our choices and definitely prefers to go the natural route, but also, you know, is a very gifted surgeon and is very capable. And, and yes, spoiler alert for when we get to the delivery episode, turns out we did have a complication <laughs> that yeah, needed a doctor. And he, was, and he was a great surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of the perfect blend, the perfect marriage of what we were both looking for. Yes. Um, and definitely, I mean, I did end up compromising because, you know, insurance doesn't cover home births or birthing centers. So for my insurance, the, the only way to make this work in a, as inexpensive a way as possible was to have the baby at Bethesda, which is actually where I was born. So that, that very quickly became the plan. Yeah. So when you think about your pregnancy experience, what is, and I think we're, we're going to try and go by trimester just to break it down and make yeah. it a little more manageable. And guys, uh, just so you know, this might go a little longer than normal just because we had to do that intro front loaded. Split it. We probably won't. We'll be fine. Uh, but we're going to try and go by trimester just to try and make it a little uh, easier for us to, because we do have a 12-day-old <laughs> and organizing our thoughts isn't easy. Um, so Yeah, everything looks fuzzy right now. <laughs> it really does. It looks like the video game's buffering. <laughs> if I talk in slow motion, it's not on purpose because yeah. it's all I have left. So of the first trimester, like what's the, the standout thing for you? And don't steal mine. So I won't talk about cravings then. <laughs> um, I had some nausea, but honestly, I've known women who really struggled with morning sickness. And so my experience was nothing compared to what some of those women have gone through. I didn't actually ever throw up. I was just incredibly nauseous. Um, tired. But, yeah. but that's pretty much it as far as symptoms go. I really didn't have any other, you know, negative symptoms. I mean, maybe some slight sensitivity to certain smells. The ex you, oh yeah, you did. You had a super nose. Because I was, uh, you know, full disclosure, I was smoking at this point. Oh, This is before right. I quit smoking. That's right. So I would come in and you would literally, like, if like I hugged you or kissed you, you would gag. Yeah, I definitely. And it was that and your coffee. I liked yeah. coffee, but it was the smell of coffee that was too much for me. Well, and I have like dark 
Cuban coffee that I make. It's very fragrant. Yeah, I remember just being like, there's so much there's so much when you're like the partner, when you're the support system that you just can't you can't do for your for your partner. Like you had I had to watch you go through every bit of it. I do you know, you were exhausted with the nausea and stuff and I would just research stuff. I like with the nausea, it was like, oh, she needs snacks. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna go get her snacks. It's like whatever I can do to help. Yeah, I came home and he had different snacks divvied out into little baggies so that I would take them to work with me and have like portion little mini portions of it. Cause they said if you had an empty stomach, that's made it worse. Yeah. No, you were definitely super, super helpful. Uh, one of the things that really stands out for me for the first trimester is because I had gotten pregnant so quickly, it seemed kind of almost too good to be true. Oh, like it was going to go away at any minute. And so I was just kind of waiting for something to go wrong. And to then you got a fever. And then you yeah, had a fever, which the the everyone flu. tells you is like like the, the the worst thing that can happen when you're pregnant. Yeah, I got the flu in my first trimester and was battling a fever for a couple of days and still going to work because, you know. Because that's you. Because that's, that's what you do. Because you're um, a soldier. But I was definitely paranoid about it. Um, that was kind of scary. And then there were some instances with spotting, which actually in the first trimester, spotting is... Sometimes it's perfectly normal, it's perfectly okay, and it's not a big deal. Other times it can signal miscarriage. And so when you realize, when you start doing the research and you start talking to people and and you start having women open up to you about their experiences, you start to realize how common miscarriage is. Um, Not that it makes it any less heartbreaking for women, but you start to hear these stories and, you know, women opened up to me about their miscarriages and I mean, for some of them, I had no idea that some of these women had ever had miscarriages. And hearing how common it is was very unsettling because, you know, statistically it was like, okay, well, this this could be my experience. And then to have the bleeding, that was terrifying. Yeah, I think we looked, it was something like 20%. I, I genuinely don't remember the percentage. I you just remember realizing that it was more common than I thought. Yeah. I, it was more common than I had thought. And I remember when we looked into it, it's like, it, it honestly became a running joke around the house because it would be like, oh, is that a symptom of uh, a miscarriage? Then let me guess. Is it also just a symptom of being pregnant? Because every single miscarriage symptom would also be listed online with first trimester pregnancy. There was no way to tell. Yeah, for the most part, it was it was one of those things where you, you weren't really sure either way. Yeah. My favorite thing about the first trimester was the cravings, though, because you are normally, like, like you have a sweet tooth. Oh, 100%. You're a sugar hound. You know, and all of a sudden, you wanted meat like nobody's business. Yeah, and I'm not really a meat person. I mean, I'll eat chicken and whatnot. When we first started dating, you were like, yeah, I've been thinking about going vegan, but I'm not sure if I can do it. Like yeah, that's I kind of recognized that I'm not good about, I wouldn't be good about getting protein from other sources, um, that I'm kind of lazy about that. And so that was, that was what kept me from, you know, being a vegetarian or whatever, is that I would have to really work to get protein from other sources. And I'm kind of a, a tiny itty bitty thing. So the idea of me not getting enough protein, I'd probably just fall over and croak. Yeah, you're tiny. So, but but that's my point is, and that's kind of the point you were making is that I, I'm not really big on meat. It's not something that I crave or really appreciate. You know, someone's like, "Ooh, I could really go for a nice steak," and I'm like, "Eh, whatever." I think give me ice cream. I think we lived in this house for like six months before I was finally like, 
like, babe, I love you so much. And I like appreciate that you do the grocery shopping because it's one less thing I have to do. And I really love you and love everything about it. But can you please pick up some gosh darn meat? Cause yeah, it, you I was, wouldn't buy I it. I was getting like black beans and pinto beans and having all these dishes that had beans in them. And then occasionally I'd be like, Oh, here's a rotisserie chicken because I just didn't care about meat. I wanted like cookies and crackers and uh, ice cream and, and things that were generally sweet. And my cravings, definitely, especially in the first trimester, I, all I wanted was like fried chicken and ground beef. And, and tacos. Yeah, and wings. And tacos were my biggest craving, definitely. You came home with a taco kit one day, and I had no idea why. And it was either the first or second time that you brought that you had a taco kit in the house. And you were like, hey, and it was like 5.30. It wasn't late. It was pretty early in the day. And it was like... Hey, are you going to make the tacos tonight? And I'm like, yeah, babe, don't worry. I'll, of course I'll make the tacos tonight. No problem. You're like, okay. You know, half an hour goes by. Hey, you're going to make those tacos? Yeah, I'll probably make them when you're, um, when you're done taking your shower. And I'm like, okay. So, and then you went and took a shower. And then you came out. Are you going to make those uh, tacos? I'm like, yeah, I'm totally going to make them in a little bit. And then I just kind of like went back to what I was doing. And it didn't even click with me that you had been asking me like every half an hour for the last like hour and a half or two hours. And I just look over and you started to go make them. And I'm like, oh, no, babe, I was going to make them for you. You're pregnant. Go sit down or whatever. And you're like, okay, fine. And you went and sat down, and I started making them. And then I looked over, and you were sitting on the couch crying. I was. Because I hadn't made the tacos yet. All I wanted was tacos. And I was, I'm the kind of person where I won't just come out and ask for something. Um, I like to hint at it because I have trouble asking for things from people. Or accepting things from people, for that matter. Including your husband. Including my husband, even. And so I desperately wanted tacos, and I wanted them made for me. But I wasn't witchy enough. Like, I was never witchy in during pregnancy. And so I wasn't like, you're going to do this and this. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't... Yeah. I didn't turn into you know, the Hulk or, you know, I didn't, I didn't go crazy, thankfully. Um, but I very much, I, all I wanted was for you to make me tacos. And so I kept trying to gently hint at it. And then when I didn't get it, as soon as I kind of had hoped, I, I felt devastated. Like, like all goodness had drained from the world. And looking back now, the fact that you had asked that many times should have been, that's just like stupid, stupid me. You know what I mean? Like the fact that I didn't pick up on it is idiotic, but I just looked over and all of, and you're not a crier. No, you will go take a shower. Yeah. I don't like to cry in general, but if I am going to cry, I'll cry in the shower. I'll cry after everyone's asleep. I don't like to cry in front of people. Um, even you, I, I do not like to cry at all. And I have cried more during this pregnant, you know, more during this pregnancy than probably my entire life. Yeah. And then, so like that pretty much encapsulates our first trimester experience. Mm -hmm. And then we went to the second trimester, which is, I call it, I I like to say that we just, we didn't know how good we had it in the second trimester. I feel like your hormones were balanced. You, you weren't staying up, you know, you were able to stay up until 930 instead of falling asleep. It was wild. (laughs) Wild and crazy. And and this was before that you, uh, it was before walking up the stairs to our apartment left you dying. Yeah, the second trimester was great because, and a lot of people talk about it, um, I definitely was one of those people that got her energy back. So the first trimester symptoms went away, you know, the nausea and all of that. 
and I seemed to have a little bit more energy. I got a, a baby bump, so it was cute. And it was the kind of thing where it's like if I if I pulled my shirt tight enough, you could see that I had a baby bump. Um, but do it wasn't remember? so noticeable that I didn't have to like give up all of my clothes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you remember my parents being like, yeah. send us a picture of the baby bump? And then we would send a picture and they'd be like, no, but seriously, we want to see the bump. Yeah. So so I started to get a bump uh, maybe around six months. Kind of the end of five months, I, I had like a teeny little, it looked like I was bloated, basically. It looks like um, you had too many tacos. Yeah, I, I had, I really did start to show, I think, though, in, this, in month six. Going into the third, yeah. Well, I think third trimester starts month seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when you first started being able to feel him move. Yeah, I remember. I couldn't, but you could. I remember... Earlier on, and I, I wish I remembered what week it was because, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, I felt the baby move, but it's it's actually just like gas bubbles or whatever. Which is what you thought. And that's what I thought for a, a long time because I didn't want to assume that it was the baby. So I would feel these little weird flutters and I was like, oh, that's probably gas. And I think we were at an ultrasound and she was like, oh, yeah, he's moving around. You know, did you feel that? And you were like, oh, so that that is him. Yeah. Just pick a week. He doesn't know. Week 14. Week 17. No, I think it's... Oh, my gosh. I don't even remember. I think it's like week 17 or 18 is when you start feeling the move. Well, isn't week 20 the anatomy scan? Week 20 is when we had the anatomy scan. That was really fun because we were trying to figure out... I even had my students guessing whether or not they thought it was going to be a girl or a boy. And most, most people that we asked and most of my students thought that it was going to be a girl. And I thought it was going to be a girl as well. I wanted a girl. Sorry, Vanyan. Um, Spoiler alert. But I was pretty sure we were having a boy. Mm-hmm. Because on my father's side, I'm one of three sons. My father's one of four sons. And I believe his dad's one of five sons. So, like, there's a long-running jokes that, you know, Veranos only make boys. The only person who didn't make boys was Uncle Mark. And he's also the only one who has, like, blonde hair and blue eyes. So he's already the milkman's kid. So... <laughs> It's like I was totally wanted a girl, totally expected to have a boy, and here he is. Yeah, the anatomy skin was really fun. It was it was so cool to see just the detail, you know, where you can they count his his fingers and his toes, and they check all of his organs to make sure they're actually there and working properly. And you were so bad process. at reading ultrasounds. It was yeah, my I'm favorite very, thing. I'm very bad at it, but I'm also fascinated by it. So I'm deeply appreciative of this thing that I cannot understand. But if they did the anatomy scan, she's like, oh, did you guys want to know the gender? And we were like, yeah, we were going to find out the gender. And she's like, okay, good, because that would have been hard to hide. And Amanda's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, babe, that's a penis. She's like, how is that a penis? I'm like, leg, leg, penis. And she's like, they all just look like blobs. Well, I, I thought his leg was actually. You thought his penis was a leg. Yeah. Because that's my boy. Oh, wow. That's my boy. And then we had, I don't know, at this point, first trimester, we had names picked out, right? And settled. Yeah, we, we had names picked out right away, which is so funny because you hear about people struggling the whole pregnancy and not picking out a name kind of until the bitter end. And we were the exact opposite. We figured out the names that we wanted really early on. I mean, there were names that we talked about. Um, I liked Parker for a boy. I liked a lot of um, Old Testament prophet names for boys. And then for girls, I, I really liked 
Eliana was kind of the one for me, or Ruth maybe. Um, I loved Artemis. Artemis was a good, another good one. But I had more boy names that I liked, and there were only a few girl names that I was really set on. Yeah. And it kind of got to the point where it was like, you were just like, okay, if it's a girl, this name. And I was like, if it's a boy, this name. Yeah, that was kind of the, I mean, we definitely talked about it. And obviously, we had to both be okay with the name. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it was pretty much like, okay, you pick the boy name and I'll pick the girl name. And then our middle names were chosen kind of. In tribute. Yeah. Um, they were chosen from, from names of people that we had that we had in our family that we had lost. So your grandmother and my aunt were the inspiration for the name, for the middle names. Um, so I had chosen Eliana great, uh, Eliana Jane for a girl and you had chosen Vanya and Cyrus for a boy. Yep. And then it was just a matter of waiting to see what the little bugger actually was. And here he is, Vanya and Cyrus, destroyer of worlds. Yeah. He's, he's currently looking like he's going to fuss. Yeah. Lips, so you might pick that up on the, on the, <laughs> Recording. It's called Gage and Amanda and Baby Makes Three, so he has to be here even if he's uh not vocal yet. Yeah, a few little background noises would be cute. I hope that actually gets picked up with the microphone. If not, I can just walk into his <laughs> hang it over <laughs> his play his uh, crib. Yeah, second trimester was great. I still think back of that because that's like it was beautiful and wonderful, and I did not appreciate it the way I should. Yeah, I remember at the time just being like. This is good. We've got the Amanda's rocking it. We're still doing stuff. Like, like who said pregnancy was hard? This is great. Didn't we fly to New York during the second trimester? We we flew to New York. Um, I was still wearing my scrubs. I was like, I don't have to get new scrubs. These are stretchy. It'll be fine. And then the third trimester came around. Third trimester hit me like holy cow truck. It was so, like, all I could remember is just, like, days and days of you being like, I am done with this now. I would very much like this child to come out. I just wanted to sleep. And then I would have the thing with, because I'm, I'm kind of a petite person. So when I would, you know, I really blew up. I went from having a tiny, tiny little belly to having, basically looking like I was smuggling seven beach balls. Because you were almost all belly. Like, you had a little bit of butt, a little bit of legs, but it was mostly belly. Yeah, I put on, final count, I put on 24 pounds, right? No, 34. That's how math works. I put on 34 pounds total, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, And I was totally fine with it, but I put it all on, for the most part, in my belly. Have you dropped 20 already? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I hate you. Sorry about it. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, so I put on like 34 pounds, um, which, you know, I, whatever, like you're, you're, you're supposed growing to. a person, you know? Um, and so I put on 34 pounds, but it was all in my belly, which made it really interesting for trying to wear clothes. Because even, <laughs> even maternity clothes, it's like, okay, I need something that's super, super tiny everywhere else. And then gigantic in the belly because even the stretchy uh, pants, you know, that have the stretchy part that goes all the way up to kind of like high up on your chest. It just goes, it stretches up completely over the belly. Even those got tight at the end. And it was like, I just need a tent that I can kind of wrap around me. That would be comfortable. And I would, I remember like, especially going grocery shopping, I would try and squeeze past somebody or try and get around someone to, you know, get the pasta sauce on the shelf. 
And I would suck in, I would try to suck in my belly instinctively thinking that that was something I could do, forgetting that there was a person in there that would not be sucked in and that could not move. Um, and it, it, even at work, oh, you know, trying to get around kids, I would, I, I'm not used to having a, a belly that Didn't big. Did you keep hitting a kid in the head? Yeah. So my belly kept bumping into kids because I would think that I had cleared them. Or I would hear a voice because, you know, I work with preschoolers. And so I would hear a voice and I couldn't see them because my belly would block <laughs> them. And so they, if they were standing too close to me, I would be like a, they would be in my blind spot. <laughs> and so I would have to constantly shift and move so that I could make sure that I could see all of the children in my classroom. <laughs> And then he he started being like super active and moving to the point where you were getting like upset about it. Well, he was really low really early on. That's so true. it was probably week 35 when he was what like just outside like I mean if I were dilated he would have been in like in my birth canal. Yeah. He was And he sat there for like zero, the rest. I think, which is as far as you can go before you it's dilate. Like mid pelvis or something. Yeah, so it's super super low. Um, and he had hiccups all of the time and he was moving a lot. He did get his foot kind of stuck in my rib a couple of times, which, you know, I get why people are like, ah, that hurts. It, it's a very weird sensation. Um, he was just super, super active. So, you know, just sitting and chilling at the end of the day and having dinner with you. And I, I could just see the movement. I could just see him, his feet moving, like rippling under the surface, which is a very weird sensation. My favorite was the hiccups, though, because you would just look at me and you would be like, Cage, I'm feeling hiccups in places that I should not be feeling hiccups. Yeah, he was so, so low. It was a very weird sensation. And we had the baby shower. That was third so trimester. Yeah, it was Rachel, so much fun. Rachel did that. And we had all of our friends come, which was so cool. And it was small, which it was, was nice. Perfect. It was, we it was yeah. some of our favorite people. You know, I mean, not obviously not everybody could come, but it was like some of our favorite people. We just got to spend a great day with the people closest to us. It was and celebrate the life that was coming. It was wonderful. And it was beautifully decorated by Rachel. And it was Peter Rabbit themed. Yes. I loved it. Yeah. Um, And that was just like (laughs) such an interesting thing. So we just got married like a year before. And there's some similarities like with weddings and babies. But I truly believe that. Babies bring out the best in people. Like, you know, when you're talking about like your mommy tribe and stuff like that. I think babies bring out the best in people. Weddings bring out the worst. But (laughs) (laughs) like the shower was just so much fun. And just. You have to, but you do have to deal with people being like, well, why wouldn't you invite more people? Don't you want more gifts? And just being like, that just feels That's not at all what it was about. It was about just getting together and having fun. Um, And to Rachel's credit, you know, she tried to come up with, um, games and stuff. I was the worst at trying to come up with games, but honestly, it was it was so fun to just even just sit and talk to people. And you know, we had that little area where we decorated diapers and just kind of sit and doodle. Um, it, it was just it was a really really nice day. It sounds like such an understatement and an oversimplification, but it was such a lovely day with with people. Just outside, I loved it. it was yeah. it was really one of the highlights of the pregnancy. Yeah, and then after that is about when it started to get crunch time. So it's like every time we go to the doctor, you're getting a cervical exam. Car seat's in the car. Stroller's in the car. Is everything ready? Is the crib in place? Yeah, and is the doctor's the... telling me, oh, 
I thought I was going to get a call from you over the weekend. It's like, oh, wait, what? I love. What do you know that I don't? I love him, but like that's the worst that he would, because he's (laughs) just like, he's too optimistic to give medical advice. Well, and then you were away um, towards the end. I travel for work. Which was fine. Everyone was like, oh, do you want me to come stay with you? And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then finally, that last trip. I had a show which would have put me. I think I was like 37 weeks. Yeah, I would have gotten back like a week, not even a week before your due date. Oh, you're talking about that one. I was talking about the one you actually went to when I was like 37 weeks. Oh, the one I actually went to, yeah. And I actually went to my my aunt and uncle's for that one. Yeah, it was a fight to get to April 1st. So Mm -hmm. his, his due date was April 22nd. And then I had. On Earth Day. And I think I had like three in March, three events in March. So after the last one in March, I got someone to cover me for my April one. So it's like once we got, I knew as long as he didn't come until April that we would be okay. But it's just everything like you start checking dilation, you start checking um, ripening of the cervix, which is just fun to say. Um, And then you get Braxton Hicks and then you get these other things and it's like, Oh, is that a contraction? Which, come to find out, I was actually having real contractions. real contractions at the end, but I wasn't sure. I didn't know what they would feel like. And, you know, people said, well, it'll take your breath away. And, you know, if it's real and progressive, they will start coming closer and closer together. And mine never really progressed. So I, I did have contractions in the evening. I would wake up and, and have contractions, which I didn't know that they were until I was hooked up to monitors in the hospital kind of jumping ahead here. And they were like, oh, you're having a contraction now. And you could watch it on the little monitor. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is what I felt. Okay. Yeah. That was real. And then we ended up having to schedule an induction. Well, I, um, he was breached for a little while. Like, he didn't go head down. Until, well, he came 30, it was like week 33, 34. And it was like we had a couple weeks. And by the next appointment, he was. Yeah, and then he, he flipped and it was yeah. fine. Um, but I wasn't even worried about it because at that point they were like, oh, well, you know, he's not head down yet. And if he doesn't go head down, then we would have to schedule a C-section. And I was like, okay. And I actually, very uncharacteristic of me, but I didn't fret about it. Um, I was like, well, I guess if I have to have a C-section, you know, there's there's pros and cons to to every form of delivery. Little realizing what that would mean. <laughs> because in my mind, it was like, okay, you know, you have a natural birth, you have a vaginal delivery. Um, which is definitely what I had wanted. I didn't want to be cut open. I wanted to be able to bounce back and recover quickly. But there's, you know, there's some downsides to to a vaginal delivery as well. And so it was like, okay, well, if I have to have a C-section, you know, one of the good things about a C-section is that it's scheduled. You know exactly when it's going to happen. You don't have to worry about tearing or any of those things that you have to deal with with a vaginal delivery. And so I was like, well, there's, there's pros to a C-section because it's planned and it's calm and you don't have to go through labor. Um, all little, of those, all of those things, know. you know? So I was thinking of it as either or. I was not thinking of it as, gee, Amanda, I wonder if you'll have both. Yeah, and like, that's some of the things they don't. There's so many things that you can't, Either either nobody tells you, or even if somebody tells you, it just doesn't hit you until you're in there. But, like, one of the things is that pregnancy lasts so long that mm-hmm. towards the end, you forget you're having weeks. a kid. 
you forget you're having a kid. I, she's oh, like, yeah. oh, my wife is just pregnant now. That's just our existence. That's our reality. Well, if you think about it, I mean, they count from your last period. So by the time you go full term, you are 40 weeks, which is technically 10 months. It's not nine months. It's yeah. 10 months. So for most of a year, the better part of a year, like we celebrated our one year anniversary in the midst of all of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I was pregnant for a very, very long time. And so I'm kind of jumping ahead here and talking a little bit about, you know, postpartum, but it's, it's crazy. What you're talking about is you, you know, I'm, I was pregnant for so long that I just got used to being pregnant. And I think I lost sight of the fact that I was actually growing a person that was going to be with us and change our life. So I very much got into the swing of, oh, this is what my life is like as a pregnant person. And that was just my lifestyle little realizing how much that was going to change because the whole point of pregnancy is to actually bring a person into the world, you know? Yeah. When did it become real for you? So that we were having a child. Yeah. Cause I've been trying to think back and I remember the ultrasounds were great and he would pose like a little model for his ultrasound pictures in utero. And I remember the first time I felt him kick. I remember when he punched me in the face. I remember mm-hmm. all of these little things, but I just, I can't, I've been trying to piece like when it was like, oh, this is actually happening. I think it came in waves. I don't know if I necessarily had a a certain specific defining moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm having a child. Um, it would hit me from time to time. You know, when you would put your hand on my stomach and you would feel him kick or you would sing to him, it would hit me that you were going to be a father. And that was a really cool thing to realize. Um, hearing the heartbeat for the first time when I was like six weeks along. Yeah. That was a moment. That was like Xanax for me. Because I had spent all of the time up until that appointment. That's when you had the flu. That's when you mm-hmm. had the bleeding. And I was sitting here just going like, this is going to be ripped away. I just need I just need to get to this appointment. I just need to hear the heartbeat. And the moment well, that we appointment it, was to make sure that. Like he was real. Yeah. That it was, that it wasn't like an ectopic pregnancy and yeah. Yeah. And I just remember, cause she was like, oh, it's kind of hard to hear, but we had both heard it very, very clearly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then she repositioned and found it fine. But just the, the, but the first time I heard his heartbeat, I, it was like, I think a week later, like you were like, oh, you're not going to stress about this thing going on. And I'm like, nah, I heard the heartbeat. I'm good. I'm good for at least a little while. Yeah. That carried you for a while. I think when we went to Barnes and Noble and we got the pregnancy journal and the book that takes you day by day um, through pregnancy and what Mm -hmm. to expect, kind of going and being able to look at that stuff for the first time and to look through the, the parenting and childbirth section and not just look at it out of curiosity, but look at it because it was now relevant for us. Um, That was definitely a moment. Setting up the car seat, you know, seeing you set up the car seat and all of that. Sweating. Yeah. And and starting to have baby stuff in the house, you know, when we started putting his clothes away and we had the pack and play set up and he started taking over our bookshelf with all of his books. Yeah. I, I think it came in bits and pieces, the slow realization that there was going to be a person. But I still, I mean, I thought that I was realizing it. I thought that bit by bit I was going, oh, Wow. Like there's going to be this other person, this other life that we're bringing, you know, into our home. And I thought I knew, but again, something that we'll talk about more for the postpartum side of things. 
I had no clue. Yeah, it's, I, I think that that's very true. I think for me, it was when we had to start putting our go bags. Oh, in and yeah. Every, that, oh, are we both going somewhere so that we don't have a chance to stop home before? Oh, well, then let's make sure we bring our hospital bags. It's like we were agents or something, you know, or you bring your, yeah. your go bag in case of an emergency. And it was like, you got to stay within a certain radius of the hospital at all Get times. Get to the jet. Yeah, it's like... We can't leave the county because what if I go into labor? That was a very real thing. It's 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 odd how this unpredictable event suddenly like dominates everything. Because we probably spent about three weeks thinking you were going to go into labor any day. Uh, from April first on, I thought I was. Yeah, you were and hoping for you were so. hoping for an April Fool's Day baby. I wanted an April 1st baby because that was when Easter fell this year. But the thing is, Easter varies. So I loved the idea of having a baby on Easter. However, Easter does not stay. It's not the same day every single year. And so then I would have ended up with an April Fool's baby. Um, I, I would have been fine with him being born on his due date because anyone who knows us would know how perfect it is that the due date was Earth Day. Yeah, I would have been fine with that. I actually um, had to go and uh, put his picture up where we previously had a picture of an owl that we sponsored on Earth Day. <laughs> yep, Hootie. <laughs> Hootie, he's so cute. That was the one thing that I was really sad about this this year was because I was so far along and then because I ended up giving birth before Earth Day, we had to miss um, the Earth Day celebration at Okihili Nature Center. Because that's actually one of the things that we love to do. It's fun. So, and so, well, well, so closing up because we are running towards the end. Mm-hmm. We've done We've well. Done We've done well. We're at fifty-three minutes. Nice. Um, then we'll probably edit down. So we probably have like a good, you know, ten minutes left. But what were the biggest? Would you say the biggest surprises? What were like the, some of the best moments, the, some of the worst moments, and some of the biggest surprises for you in pregnancy? Some of the best moments were feeling him move, hearing the heartbeat. Every time that I heard his heartbeat, it was just the most amazing thing in the world. Um, I would say our appointments, you know, you picking me up. And us going to the appointment and you bring, like, you having, yeah, you having like food. Um, cause I would, I was craving, you know, fried food or basically unhealthy forms of protein and you always provided. And so, cause I'm a loving husband, if not a responsible one. So, so yeah, there, there were so many bright moments of just feeling the baby kick or hearing the heartbeat or, you know, getting into the routine of you picking me up, especially when it got to every two weeks and then every week where it was like you picking me up on such a regular basis from work and having something really yummy to eat and then us going to the appointment and hearing his heartbeat and, and hearing about the progress that was being made or um, those were, those were great moments. The heartbeat was pretty incredible. Yeah. I don't know. It was like, it was the simple things. It was the routine that we got into, especially in the third trimester, even though it was more uncomfortable then we had such a routine that I got used to and that I just, I don't know why I thought that was just going to continue forever because it was glorious where it was at least once a week I was getting fed, you know, fatty, unhealthy, greasy food that I loved. 
I was being picked up and driven to my appointment by my loving husband. And then every day I was coming home and, you know, we'd eat. And then because I was sleepy, we would watch a TV show and then I'd crash. And, and, by, then, and by virtue of my job, when I'm home, I'm very much home. So I was right. able to like have dinner ready for you. Like, cause, yep. like, cause yes. Okay. I, I bought you Chick-fil-A before every appointment, except for that one time when I bought you McDonald's. Yes. However, other nights of the week, you would come home and there was always, <laughs> there was like a healthy home cooked meal for you. Oh yeah. Because you started substituting the rices and the mashed potatoes and like the starchy yeah. sides and you started substituting it and then we would just have a protein and then two vegetable sides, which I was very sad about at first. I was like, wait, but where's the rice? Where's the pasta? Yeah. Trying to, trying to just be healthier. Yeah. I think for me, the worst moment goes in with the most surprising, which is like, I was very surprised about how much fear my body was capable of feeling and just how much just pure dread I would have. Like, oh, you know, Amanda has a fever, you know, oh, uh, Amanda's, Amanda's bleeding. Oh, it's taking this ultrasound tech three extra seconds to find the heartbeat. Like Mm -hmm. that small amount of time was so just enough time for my whole body to just go, Oh, is my kid dead? Which isn't typical of you because I don't stress at all. Anyone who knows us knows that I am the, the worry war and I stress over everything imaginable and you're super chill and you're just very realistic and very practical. And so that, yeah, that had to have been hard for you because just the entire pregnancy, it was like 5 million different things to, worry about and you would be filled with dread yeah just constantly which is a yeah because i'm i normally try to do that whole like kind of like the serenity prayer thing mm-hmm. like if i have control like you know accept the things i can't change change the things i can wisdom know the difference i like that as like a concept and most of the time if i if i, if I can affect change i will but if i can't then eh, whatever it's gonna happen but with him it was terrifying constantly I was not prepared. Because we weren't in control and we were very much aware of it. And there was that struggle with, with wanting to be in control and wanting to, to be able to decide what was going to happen. And we, we can't. We couldn't decide what was going to happen with him. We couldn't control his yeah. heartbeat or his development or any of it. That wasn't up to us. Couldn't control our doctor asking us to come in for an induction on 420. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a whole episode in and of itself. Yeah. Just two funny anecdotes to close us out. One was, do you remember the day that you forgot that you had a belly and you belly flopped onto the bed? Yeah. <laughs> that, was that, was in my second, that was in my second trimester. Was it second? Yeah, oh, because okay. I was starting to get a belly. I, I didn't have a huge belly yet, but I was starting to get a belly and I kind of flopped down on the bed without thinking kind of like in a fun way like sprawling your arms out just like people do you know where you just kind of flop down on your bed when you're tired and i flipped out and i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh i just like squished my baby i I was i was terrified that i had done something horrible to our child and you were in pain (laughs) well yeah it hurt that was the that was and then the other one was third trimester of waking up to the sound of you dropping something in the kitchen and just being like, what the, what, what? and then just hearing you sound so upset and just calling out like, babe, what's wrong? Are you okay? And you're just like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have to get out of bed. And I'm like, well, what happened? You're like, I, I was, I, I dropped the milk and now 
Amanda hates, Amanda doesn't like to drink just milk. But she was having so much bone problems that she agreed to drink milk because our doctor said that that would help with her bones. So her concession was, instead of coffee in the morning, her treat was chocolate milk. Yep. She would have it every I was morning. Trying to be, I was trying to be healthy. And so, you know, chocolate syrup swirled in isn't the healthiest thing in the world. But that was my treat. That was something. Honestly, I looked forward to that. Like, my mornings were joyful because I was going to have chocolate milk every morning. And I know that sounds silly, but I would wake up and I would be exhausted. You know, it's like five or six in the morning and I have to go to work and work all day with this giant belly and aching feet. But I would wake up and I'd go, oh, but I get to have chocolate milk. And I would be so happy. And that day, that was actually a weekend, but I wasn't feeling well. I was sick and I was feeling really crappy. And I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to push myself to get out of bed and I'm going to go have some chocolate milk. And I didn't realize how low we were on chocolate milk. So when I poured the glass, I used up the last of the gallon of milk. And then because I was clumsy and because I wasn't feeling well, because I was huge, I spilled it everywhere. So it was bad enough that I didn't feel well and I was tired. It was bad enough that I had spilled milk everywhere and that's kind of a pain in the neck to clean up. But it was also the last of the milk. So this is what I wake up to coming out to check on my wife, who is sitting, fighting back tears in our kitchen. Oh, I, I was crying. Yeah, you ended up crying. So it's like, on one hand, it's like, I want to help. I want to help clean up. I want to make sure you're okay. But on the other hand, I looked at her at one point and I was like, babe, you're literally crying over spilled milk right now. I was. I was. Like, do you want, and it was just, I, I lost it. I started laughing in your face. I felt really bad about it. It was definitely funny, and I can look back on it now and realize how funny it was. And I think I even said something like that in the moment where I was like, look, I understand that this is going to be funny, but right now I am devastated. Like, it was the do you last, want me to go get you more milk? It was the last of the milk. Yeah, but you're just too practical because I think I was like, do you want me to go get you more milk? And you're like, no, it doesn't make sense. Well, I think like I hadn't done grocery shopping yet, and so it was like, okay, well, if we're going to go grocery shopping, if one of us is going to go, we need to have a list because it's silly to just go just for milk. We need to have a whole list of stuff and we don't have that ready yet. And so, no, it's not practical, but yeah, I, I was devastated. <laughs> so, I mean, we're pretty much at an hour and we've run through all three trimesters. Is there any final thoughts that you have? Not about pregnancy. Honestly, I wish that I had journaled. Um, I wish we had recorded this while you were pregnant, which was my original thought, but that, yeah, that would have been better because at this point, you know, we're recording it and it's now 1030 on a Thursday, Wednesday, it's today, Thursday. Thursday. See, this is kind of my point is that I don't even know what day it is because I'm so sleep deprived. So we're coming at this recording as new parents with all of the stereotypical exhaustion and trying to recollect you know, what happened six, seven, eight months ago. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a shame that we didn't do it earlier that I didn't journal, but I'm glad that we're doing it now because it's better late than never yep. because we're getting this stuff out so that we'll be able to remember it. Um, whereas, you know, if we waited five months, I'm sure some of these stories would have faded as well. And we'll be a little fresher for the first six weeks stuff, which oh, is... absolutely. Which which is one of the things that I really, with the show, wanted to get out there because you hear people talking about the first six weeks and about how much it's being in the trenches, but kind of, I think there's value 
had of people who are talking about it while they're going through it and not yeah, have, while it's in the rear view. Of, a lot of reflections, not necessarily advice or, or anything like that. I just have a lot of thoughts regarding yeah. this whole period, this, this initial, what they call it the fourth trimester, you know? Yeah. I have a lot of, a, a lot to talk about with that. And from what I've reached out, people seem to want to hear what you have to say. So I don't know if it'll necessarily be helpful or interesting or instructive, but it's been a whirlwind for both of us. And it's definitely been um, unlike anything that I thought it would be. I had such, such clear views on what, not on what I thought pregnancy was going to be, but, you know, kind of speaking to the whole experience of pregnancy, since that's what this episode is about. During the pregnancy, I researched and read and listened to podcasts. Like the birth hour was so, so important to me and so helpful. I liked um, Pee in the Podcast. Pee in the Podcast. Was that the one was, I listened that to? That's a good one too. And so I found so many of those different resources so incredibly helpful. And I thought I knew in my arrogance, I thought I knew exactly what I wanted for the birth. And I thought I knew exactly what I was going to be like postpartum. So in my mind, I was going to have an all natural water birth. And if I couldn't have a water birth, I was going to use all of these other techniques. I was going to do essential oils and the yoga ball and all these things that we'll talk about in the next episode. Yeah, for what I thought like, delivery was going to be like. A bear cub was going to come and catch him and a little fox was going to jump in and like nibble the umbilical cord. Yeah. And like, and like leaves would fall down from heaven. Yeah. I, so I definitely had a very clear idea of what I thought labor was going to be like. I was not going to have a C-section. I was not going to have an epidural. I was not going to do this and that. Um, and then even postpartum, I was like, you know, I'm going to bounce right back and I'm going to do it all myself and I'm going to breastfeed 100%. Like, like all of these different yeah. things that I, that I was thinking of during pregnancy that I, I had a birth plan. I had a plan for postpartum. For those first twelve weeks that they talk about, um, and so I'm I'm eager to get to those episodes and actually talk about what our experience has been and and what we've learned and you know just what that is actually has been like for us. Yeah, and the next episode we will uh, will probably be delivery, which yep. if you don't remember it, I do. It's going to be fun. Also, because it is a pregnancy episode, I do want to put out one brief public service announcement, which is. Uh, a pregnant woman's belly is not an invitation to touch. Ask first. Yes, please don't just touch someone's belly. Or don't, also don't say, oh, wow, look how big you're getting. Because honestly, I would say for me personally, there were times where someone would go, oh, look how big you're getting. And it would be so nice that I would finally be showing and I would finally have a bump. That on good days, I was like, oh, I know it's so great. And I'd be glowy and happy and so glad that someone noticed that I actually had a baby growing inside mm-hmm. me. But then half, half the time, it was the exact opposite where someone would go, oh my gosh, you're getting so big. And I was like, in my head, I'm just thinking, yeah, the stretch marks are coming and I can't fit in anything. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm no longer a person. I'm a whale. Um, so, yeah, definitely please don't touch a woman's belly without asking first. I mean, I'm sure a lot of moms are super chill and will be like, yeah, no, of course, you don't even have to ask. But it's just it doesn't hurt to ask. And also, it doesn't hurt to not comment on the size of their belly because there's a good chance that a hormonal pregnant woman 
might be hurt by that, but they just may not say it. And also, you never know, like, if you go around doing that all the time, eventually, statistically, you're going to say that to someone who's not pregnant. Yeah. That's well, just no I good. mean, I, I know that I've said it to women who I knew were pregnant because they were in their third trimester and they really looked like they were about to topple over. Look how big you've gotten. And I have said it. And it's only now that I've been pregnant that I realized, like, I had, it was fine some of the time because obviously it's, it's not ill, you know, ill-intentioned. No one means anything by it. But I know that I had moments where I would be really sensitive and hormonal and it would hit me like a ton of bricks. And I wouldn't necessarily say anything or show that it hurt me, um, but it definitely messed with me sometimes. So, yeah, that's a good public service announcement. Thank, of that. thank you. All right. It looks like our baby is fussing. He's blowing bubbles. Thank you so much for joining us on our adventure. If you want to reach out to us, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at and baby makes pod. And you can always visit our website or discord. All links are available in the show notes. If you like the show, do us a favor and rate and review the show on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. These ratings really help new listeners find us, and we truly appreciate it. Until the next chapter, I'm Gage. I'm Amanda. And and Baby Baby Makes makes three. Three.